Father, the holy words long preserved for their work and today also for our work in this world. Your word beaming to us, your glory in the face of Jesus Christ our Lord. So please, Lord, we ask that we will tremble at your word and rejoice at it at the same time. We pray all these things for your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Anxiety is what I'm talking to you about this morning. Anxiety. Who has never experienced any form of anxiety? Deep-seated worry about something. I'm yet to come across someone who hasn't experienced some measure of anxiety, deep worry, fear of something or someone. And we can sometimes feel this and it becomes so overpowering. That is, it, it almost takes the whole of you. People are anxious about many things. People are even anxious about not being anxious about anything. They wonder why there isn't something going on that they should be worry about, worried about. They feel they are too much at ease. No, Christians should have something going on that keeps you praying. Well, anxiety is not the thing that should necessarily keep you praying. And so we are anxious that we are not anxious about something. Anxiety is a shared experience of every human being, wherever they come from. And I dare say that anxiety is the experience also of Christians. Christians experience anxiety. So we don't deny it. We don't run away from it. We don't wish it away. We deal with it head on. And we deal with it daily. Now, there are many things that we can be anxious about. If we will go through the list, we will not finish. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, maybe you are sitting here having your own anxious thoughts and feelings about something. For some people, it is always anxious about the implications of their past. Something happened in your past, you did something, maybe something really terrible, and somehow there is this constant nagging voice in your heart about the implications of that. What if? What if? What if? And for some of us, it is the anxiety regarding the uncertainties about the future. Fears about our health. Anxieties about the future of our children. And many of us are experiencing deep fears about the economy. It's not just in Ghana, everywhere. There is all this talk about recession and talk about heightened inflations and all kinds of things going on. We are wondering how we're going to pay our staff. Our staff is wondering whether they're going to be paid. 
anxiety. Common to human experience, common to even Christians. They experience it. It's very interesting that when you read the scriptures, one of the things the Lord says a lot, it is in the Old Testament, it is in the New Testament, is what? Do not be afraid. Thank you. Why do you think that he will spend so much time and ink? God, the Holy Spirit, through his people, the writers, reminding God's people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because naturally, they are prone to anxiety. Give them a moment and let them get distracted. In fact, that is what anxiety is, getting distracted, getting sidetracked from a particular focus. And then slipping into something we will see later. How do I, how do you, how do we deal with anxiety? Now, Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety, deep-seated worry. Anxiety weighs down the heart. But a kind word cheers it up. The ESV will say that a good word cheers it up, lifts it up. Anxiety in a man's heart, in a person's heart, will make it depressed, will bring it down. But a good word, a kind word, will cheer it up, lift it up. He says that, what, what he's saying here, part of the things we can see, when anxiety takes hold of a person, Anxiety goes straight for the heart. Anxiety in a person's heart. Nobody wears hats, this one, not hats. Nobody wears this one called anxiety. I'm yet to see, maybe very soon people will come up with hats with the inscription, anxiety. Or you look at a person's skin and you say, well, sometimes you can tell, isn't it? Stress can begin to tell on the skin. But usually, that is not the case. Anxiety wouldn't go for that. Anxiety goes for the heart. Anxiety will go for the center of a person's being, the center of your will, where you make decisions, where actions flow from. That's where anxiety will go for. And then it begins to manifest itself in the physical that we see. The wise teacher here in Proverbs 12 does something that is very interesting. Of all the things that we can talk about that may cause anxiety, I'm anxious in my marriage. I'm anxious at work. I'm anxious at school because I get to be bullied. And sometimes I'm not looking forward to going to school on the Monday. Of all the other things, here in Proverbs, he makes an interesting link between anxiety and something. What is that? He says that anxiety is directly connected to the word that is spoken to a person. Look at it again. Please, look at it. Verse 25, if you have your Bibles. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. There is a link between our worry, and what we hear, what is spoken to us. A person who is anxious, a person who is paralyzed, you know, when you can't walk, by anxiety, need, he says, he needs a kind word. He needs a good 
word spoken to them in order to bring them back. In order to gladden their hearts. Words are powerful, he says. They are capable of doing something to our heart, to the very center of our being, spiritually. And then they manifest in the physical. You can meet somebody who is incredibly beautiful. But at some point in their life, somebody said to them that they were ugly. And they believed that. Because it was directed at the heart. No matter what you say to them about their looks, they still believe this that they heard. Words are powerful. So he says, anxiety will wear a person's heart down. But it's a kind word that lifts them up. A kind word. I thought you should go and give them some money. Well, that's me. But a kind word will lift them up. So Proverbs is by implication saying, say the wrong things to a person or yourself. And then you could create a lifelong problem. You could create anxiety for yourself or for others. So he's admonishing by implications again, that we should replace foolish and righteous talking, talk, words, with kind words, not lying words, not flattering words, kind, good words. So let me show us in Proverbs 12, just a little bit, how the wise teacher here is, is showing, drawing our attention that words have effect. They have some sort of effect. Verse 6. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. How can the words lie in and wait for blood? The words of a person. Well, he's reminding you that words can actually murder. Can cause great harm. But the speech of the upright rescues them. The speech of the upright. Verse 13. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk. So the innocent escape trouble. Verse 14, from the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands bring them reward. Verse 17, a bit more, an honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. Now think about it. Think about the law courts. An honest witness will tell the truth, and somebody might be acquitted just by speaking the truth. And the truth examine, but you can go and bear false witness, and somebody's imprisoned. Words are so powerful. Verse 18 The words of the reckless pierce like sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue, tongue lasts only for a moment. The Lord detests, verse 22. Lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is true that there are many things that at least appear to have the capability of causing anxiety. But here it is clear for us. There is a link between solving the problem of anxiety and actually causing it. Words, speech, what is said. Now, when um, in the late part, latter part of 1999, 
And as we were about to enter the year 2000, you remember the Y2K compliance thing, this computer thing. Otherwise, the world is coming crashing and all these things. And actually, I think it came from the United States first. Everything good or bad comes from the United States. And so people had it. We didn't know it. I didn't have a computer. I had never experienced computer before at that time. And yet we all panicked because in the news, in the media, it is said that unless you are Y2K compliant, words, just words, even for someone who hadn't seen computer before or hadn't used it. I think I had seen one before. I hadn't used it. Anxiety. So what is the antidote to anxiety? I've said it before. Let me repeat it. Let me re-emphasize it. It is having the right, truthful, right words to say to, say to a dear friend. The antidote to anxiety, the Lord says, and we'll see in a moment, is words. What is spoken, what is listened to, what is imbibed as one listens. Imagine when you are down, really down, and a friend walks into the house. I don't know if you've experienced this before. They walk into your house, and they talk with you. They talk with you. They didn't give you money. They didn't do anything. They just talked with you, and they said some really encouraging things. And by the time they left your, your company or left your house, you felt what? Lifted up. Have you had that experience before? When you were anxious about something, a decision, something, and then you just spoke to a person and listened to the words of the person and you felt reassured. What is the antidote? It is the word. What is heard? What a friend speaks to a friend. Listen to, let me jump ahead a, a little bit. Proverbs 27, 9, he says this. <clears throat> Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Heartfelt counsel. When they come to you and they sit with you, and they are not telling you what to do, they are just giving you good advice about something. Somebody did something and you were anxious to give it back to the person. And then this godly friend comes along and says, it is better not to say anything. Not at this point. And somehow, your heart is at ease. But here's a problem. A problem that we have talked about already. Anxiety tackles the heart. Anxiety goes for the human heart. Brothers and sisters, as anxiety is like a particular cancer that tackles the heart. Cancer of the heart, of the very center of a person. Anxiety seeks to disrupt and to distract. And so look at people who are deeply anxious to the point that it has affected them mentally or psychologically. It plays out in the way they look, right? And the way they talk. And there's something weird about this person. None of us have reached to that point, I was going to say, yet. Nobody is there. That's what anxiety does. It just goes for that part of a person. 
So, human beings' words, in and of themselves, the words of human beings, no matter how well intended they are, no matter how these words have been crafted with the right words, really, really sugar-coated, honest, honest on every count, but it's just basically springing from their own experience and human words. It doesn't really do it. Certainly not in the long term. Because it is, anxiety is a problem that is within the heart. It is like having a disease that is internal, that has shown itself on the skin. And then you apply ointment to the skin. The problem is within. That is where we are afraid. That is where it is seated. Deep inside. So thank you, my dear friend, for your good words. I trust you. You mean well. But the problem is that if it is just human words, it fails to do the job. It fails to do the job in a way that sustains. It has to take the word of the one who created the heart and knows the heart very well to speak the right words to the heart for the heart to be at ease. And therefore, when a friend comes, the friend has to be sure, and in this case, people who are disciples of the Lord Jesus, they have to be sure they are carrying the words of him who made the human heart, knows what the human heart needs, speaking those words to the anxious heart. The antidote to our anxious hearts, the problem with anxiety daily, is the words of our great friend, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the creator and the one who has perfect, absolute, complete knowledge of not only my heart, but every human heart on the face of the earth. You need his words. You need to hear him exactly what he says. And when you hear it rightly and you respond to it by faith, I promise you this. Your heart will be at ease. You will still go through the valley of the shadow of death, but there will be this deep-seated peace, knowing that he is with me. He is with me. And then you get distracted a little bit and anxiety begins to try to tackle your heart. And then you run back to the words of the great friend, the Lord Jesus. Listen to some of his words. And in, interestingly, he's also talking about anxiety. And he's talking about anxiety in Matthew. What Proverbs says, the Lord says. Speak the word, the right word, the good word. And this is the good word. Every other word may be good, a good word of a sort, but this is the good word. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Listen as I read, and thanks to Arch for reading so clearly. I tell you the truth. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bands. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the question is, my friends, as we are about to finish, what does the kind words, the good word of Jesus say to God's people about being anxious? Number one, he says, this is his word. Remember what Proverbs says. This is his word. Number one, he says, don't be anxious. Oh, don't be anxious. You've got to give me a very good reason why I shouldn't be anxious. Otherwise, I will be anxious. I promise you. So do not be anxious, he says. The question is, why? And here is the answer. Everybody, are you ready? You're not ready. Here is the answer. This is the good word from our Lord. Here's the answer. Because he says, you have a heavenly father who cares. It didn't ring. It didn't ring. Because you have a heavenly father who cares. Don't be anxious as though you are a spiritual orphan. You're not. As a person in Christ, you have a heavenly father. You are his very personal responsibility and concern. You and everything about your life. You think you care for your children more than the Lord cares about them? You have a heavenly father. And then he says that keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing in life, keep it. Seek first his kingdom and all its righteousness. Seek first your father's kingdom. Because if you have anything to be concerned about, be concerned about how do I live as a kingdom person and how do I promote kingdom agenda? Now, these things you can be concerned about. Sometimes sparrows, enoma, birds, sparrow. They go into conversations about human beings. Ah, I think I'm saying something weird. They go into a conversation about human beings. Sparrow one says to sparrow two, looking at human beings, why do these people frantically worry about everything so much? They are sitting on the tree and they are watching me. I go out with my car, I come in. I come in and I'm looking drained and tired. And all along, the two of them are there. Just watching this guy and I fascinate them. Because everything they can see about me is anxiety. Rush, rush, rush. Rush in, rush out. Rush to sleep, complaining about sleeping, complaining about waking up. Complaining about having a roof over my head, complaining about not having a roof over my head. Just anxiety. And then Sparrow 2 responds. 
The question is, why is it that? They seem so worried about everything, so anxious. Spiral 2 says, I'm not sure why, but I think it's because they do not have a heavenly father. Because the Lord has said here that look at the sparrows, even for them, if you won't call God their father, maybe they are, they are, they are the houseboys, but even the houseboys enjoy. They are well cared for. As for the flowers of the field, they are not even houseboys. We just cut them and throw them in the bush, uh, in, the, in, the, in the fire. He said, but even us. But I really don't think God is their heavenly father. But here is the word of Jesus. Anxiety in a man's heart, in a woman's heart, weighs them down. But a good word cheers them up. This is the good word. The gospel is the good word. And that is what he is presenting to us. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. Look at yourself rightly in this world. That's the words. Who are you? You are God's child. <laughs> Who is God to you? He is your heavenly father in Christ. That is what he wants you to hear. You see, he's not tackling every detail and short moment. That is not important. We will go through those roller coasters in life. But let's get the big picture straight. I am God's child. I am God's child. You are God's child. Do you know what that means? For those of you who are parents, you know what that means. For those of you who have kids, when I mean parents, I don't mean your own children, but Somebody you are looking after, you're concerned about. You know what, how it feels like? You have a heavenly father who cares about the whole of life. Let me say a couple of things again about anxiety and then we'll finish. You see, anxiety is rooted, rooted in our heart. Yes, it's true. But it's rooted in attempting by myself to care for something only God can. Somehow we feel like we should play God's role a little bit. You're so worried about their future. What can you do about it? Apart from taking them to school, teach them the gospel, teach them this, teach them one or two good morals, don't behave. What else can you do? It is a heart issue. And so why do we have to worry and sometimes couples fight over that? Let's do what the Lord has called us to do and leave it to him. Let's not be anxious about things that only God can handle. We, we tend to think that ultimately it depends on us. You think about it. Ultimately, we want to feel like we are in charge small. I have to do something to show that I'm contributing. Well, there, there, to, some ex, there is this, to this extent you can contribute. Apart from that, life gets out of your hand. Do what you need to do. And look to him. Anxiety weighs down the heart. But a kind word cheers it up. This is the only kind word that we have heard from the greatest of friends. Your heavenly father cares for you. How do we know he cares? Brothers and sisters, again, how do we know he cares? Before I pray, how do we know this heavenly father cares? How do we know this? Look to the cross. Whatever happens, look to the cross. The reason Jesus died is that God cares. He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up out for us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he has done the greatest, why can't he do the, the smaller one? This is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So perhaps when anxiety creeps into your heart, please don't listen to your heart. Your heart is something else. Talk to your heart. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs them down. But a good word, talk to your heart. And what do you talk to your heart? Look at yourself in the mirror. Have the scriptures in your hand and speak God's word to your heart. Speak it to your heart. You say, please listen to me. Gifty, listen to me. Meanwhile, it's Gifty standing in front of the mirror, looking at her in her face and say, why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you so much in turmoil within me? <clears throat> Hope in God. Look to the cross, for I shall again praise him, my Savior and my God. This hymn, I was looking at it. I mean, it's a simple hymn, but I think it's in some ways make this point. There is not a friend like the lonely Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our soul's disease. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Let's pray.